Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You know, I actually did do this. People look at me and say, nah, you, you know, that's not you. Yeah, yeah, you got to say, you gotta say, look, let me explain this to you. There's no movie. There's no television show if I don't pound at a typewriter for six months. Okay, yeah, I did this. I yeah. So and that's what I tell people. Yeah. They say, Well, gee, that sounds nice. What's what's Kyle Chandler like? Right. What what's what, what's really Bob Thornton like? Tim McGraw. You, you know Tim McGraw, right? What's he like? Is he a good guy? Yeah. You ever go to his house? The Tony Kornheiser show is on now. That was from uh, the interview. On Wednesday of Buzz Bissinger, who's got a book out now called Mosquito Bowl, and who did Friday Night Lights. I was so gratified to hear from a bunch of different people, including Jeff Ma, um, how much he liked it. Uh, David Crone really liked it. Lowell Singer really liked it. Guys that, you know, I talk to via text, and I guess I don't even know that they listen to the show. And they all liked it. That made me very happy. It really did. Because, I mean, I'm happy when a writer does well. And sure. I'm, <clears throat> I'm not saying that every writer is a good talker, because I don't know that to be true. But most writers are pretty good talkers. They use the language a lot. They know what to do. And so I was happy, happy to do that. I kept on expecting to hear explosions in the sky, your hand and mine, just cue up right at the end of is that. Is that the song from the <laughs> TV from the show? TV show? <laughs> yeah. I never saw the TV oh, show. Well, it's so great about the timing Love of that is you take a... You, you take something that exists in the eternal now, like like an interview and, and looking back at someone's work and, and where they are right now, but you then are blurring that into the real world around you, which is seeing, you know, the uh, the Broad Street crazies going wild as you're waiting for the World Series to start. Yeah, we're going to talk about the World Series amongst ourselves because it's a football day, but we will talk. Let me read this from Jonathan Scriven. Um, but it said it's not an email for the show, so maybe I shouldn't. Well, maybe not then. Yeah, maybe not. But let me just say to Jonathan Scriven, it's, it's a lovely note. It is. It's just a lovely note. Thank you very much for it. Thank you very much. I had a message the other day on my phone from a woman named Peggy. <laughs> and I could not retrieve, I, I accidentally canceled the message and I could not retrieve it. But the gist of the message was that Peggy had knitted something for me. Right, Michael? I'll let you tell you your part of the voicemail first. Well, and she, this is a voicemail left on your house phone, yeah. not your cell phone, so you can't yes. go recently deleted. And I should explain the reason why I chuckled when you brought this up because you said, Nigel, can you help retrieve this? And, and you I couldn't. <laughs> no clue whatsoever how so to do that. Her did name you was break Peggy. the phone? <laughs> she knitted me something. Nice restraint. <laughs> she knitted me something. I don't have the details of it, but she wanted a place to send it. And yeah. I've lost the message. And I don't even know that Peggy listens to the podcast. I, I don't know that. You know, I think Peggy might be from the Albany, New York area, from the area code she gave me. I think she might be, but I don't know anything more than that. So, Peggy, if you're listening, contact me one more time. Is it Peggy March? It's not little Peggy March. Okay. I love him, I love him, I love him. And where he goes, <laughs> I'll follow, I'll follow, I'll follow. No, it's not Peggy March. So, Wednesday afternoon, I also receive a voicemail, which leads me to text mom and dad. Is someone trying to send you a quilt? A quilt. That's right. It's a quilt. Well, it's a quilt. quilt. Not a waistcoat. Because I, yes. I have a voicemail that doesn't give a name. It goes straight to the gist of it and assumes a level of familiarity that I was a little bit surprised by. Yeah. But now it makes sense that uh, Peggy had reached out to you first and, and there is a voicemail there. So I have a phone number that you could use to contact okay. Peggy with the Albany okay. area code. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Um, I wonder if it's Peggy. Do you remember the Peggy that used to work with the radio station? 
Peggy Homan, I think her name was. I don't remember her. She lives at, I think she's from upstate New York. I wonder well, if maybe it's her. Well, it's very her. nice. Yes. It's her. I need to just get this off my chest for about a minute and a half. Dogs are, are pretty smart. Dogs learn things. Dogs know where to go to get treats. Dogs know how to behave in certain situations when they're not just being dogs. Dogs are capable of showing intelligence. My dog is quite smart. Mm. I love my dog very much. But my dog hasn't learned this one thing about life, which is don't eat the Frisbees. <laughs> Carry the Frisbees around in your mouth. They're plastic Frisbees. They're Buddha Frisbees. Uh, Buddha? I'll look it up. I remember the name. They're called the Turbo Discs the if Turbo you're looking disc. for these on Amazon. Turbo Disc. We ordered them. <laughs> she carries them around in her mouth and then bites them and dents them and then rips them up. She rips up the plastic. She swallows the plastic. And within 48 hours, she's heaving her guts out on the side of the road or in the house. And what comes out is yellow bile filled with pieces of Frisbee. These are Buddha. B-O-O-D-A. Buddha. Yes. Right. And, and they're... I love them. I love that my dog carries them around and chases them and all of that. Trophies, But yes. can't somebody make Buddha, can't you make a Frisbee that does not degrade so quickly that in five minutes of the dog ripping at it, she's able to take the sides off, basically, into small little bits that she ingests, and she's too dumb to understand that she cannot pass these in any other way but vomiting. Now, dogs vomiting, as we've said many times, is different than people vomiting. Dogs stand there, heave, vomit, move on. Right, ready they're to go. They're not, they're unaffected by this. They don't go, oh, am I sick? Oh, do I have to go to bed? No, they simply move on. But can't we make a Frisbee without degradable plastic that dogs like to chew on and, and you know, carry around, but it, it's... It doesn't so, so degrade. You, I don't think you need to focus on Chessie for this. I think we need to focus on the, the lack of training for you. So this Frisbee is designed so that it can be catchable and retrieved yes. by a large dog, right. soft on the gums and mouth. This yeah. is not a chew toy, and I believe on the packaging it says, not a chew toy. They make separate Frisbees if you want something that the dog can just gnaw. But I, I think well, this is my dog's when first, habit. When you first introduced the frisbee, we had worked on teaching the uh, Chessie to drop the frisbee when she that. returned to you, Shouldn't and now that. she just mocks you yes. as she runs around the backyard and you try and do stutter <laughs> steps when right. you look like you're about to break an ankle. I know. I'm too old to chase the dog anymore. I can only go straight. I can't go side to side. I have no no lateral movement. No, I'm. I have old bones. I have old bones, and now like she's just laying down and she's content. She's and, sated, you know. And then in you know, 48 hours, she'll be walking and she'll vomit. All right, let's get to the World Series. What a way to segue in. Vomit, let's get to the World Series. Uh, the World Series finally starts tonight. Michael Wilbon was right. It had everything to do with television. Had everything to do with television. Fox, Fox said, we don't want to go up against the NFL. If we start on a Friday, we only have to go up against the NFL one day. You go Friday, Saturday, no NFL. Sunday, off day. Monday, you have NFL. Tuesday, Wednesday, no NFL. Thursday, off day. Friday, Saturday. So the worst you can get is a conflict with the Monday night football game if you start on a Friday. And six or seven times out of ten, one of these series will go at least six in the championship, the league championship series. 
And then it won't seem like you've been off for five days, which they've been. Because yeah. they both went, they both ended on the same day, one in a five and one in a four. What are your thoughts on the series itself? Can they, <clears throat> I mean, it's a restart. You know, people like me who like baseball are, are happy to see the World Series, but I think they've lost all momentum. All momentum. And, and, and again, it's, it's what you had going into this, which is everyone wanted the rematch of the Astros and the Yankees, and you saw an absolute beat down. Yes, and then you try and put that into context over what that has meant this decade, and you go, wow, that is a pattern of dominance yes. over this one team where the yes. fan base wants to beat you so much, which then is the trickle-down effect to... Are they complaining about whether the roof was open or not? Is that affecting the humidity level? Are the fans changing? Aaron Judge's home run didn't go out, and Bregman's did. You cheated. Yeah. Uh, So, and then you look at the other side, and you go, "This is one of the more exciting wild card teams." Exactly at the right time when you have the first introduction of this possibility, and you have again all the rules lining up for Bryce Harper to be Mister October, and again he steps up to the plate. And hits it out. So uh, I understand that you make these blanket rules with regards to TV to try and avoid that. But then you have to look at the full equation as to what what have you lost? Uh, And you now have uh, chances where both teams can put their pitches wherever they want. And you look at a one-two that might be able to match up uh, from Philly with the Astros. Though at the same time, the Astros haven't lost a game. So pitchers have rest, batters have rest. You think it's going to at least go five or six just because of what the Phillies can do. But... Man, they're going up against an all-timer pitching staff. And from a fan's point of view, again, I come back to this. I have have little boys. I would like the idea of a a baseball household being able to watch the completion of a nine-inning game. If I'm up up in Philly, I would love it if you had that game start right at the end of the school school day and it just (laughs) rolls into bedtime and maybe it goes extras and they're watching their PJs. People seem to be convinced that day baseball doesn't bring in the numbers. It doesn't bring in the advertising revenue. It doesn't bring in the eyeballs. And if you start day baseball, if you start at, let's say, at five, because at five, you know you're going to finish in time for everybody, even six. Let's say you started at six. You lose the West Coast. Yeah. You, it's a big, you know, you lose California, you lose Arizona, you lose Washington State. <clears throat> they can't do it. I mean, they're not, they're working. They can't do it. So I, I don't know that there's necessarily a good solution for this because people in the East, their kids, they, you know, this is the problem. And Michael didn't say this, but I will say this. The problem is baseball is the one sport that is really familial, that is taught from fathers to sons and demands that fathers and sons at young ages, sons and daughters, they watch. They watch with their dad because they know what it means to their dad. And in the East, they can't, little kids can't really do that. They're not constitutionally able to do it. It's not a question of going to school anymore. They're tired. They go to sleep. Yeah. And it's too bad because this is the sport. Football isn't that sport. Basketball isn't that sport. Hockey isn't that sport. The one thing that baseball still has because of the numbers, you know, that, that they use because of their records, because of everything else, they are the generational sport. Now, fewer and fewer kids Watch it. I don't think that's just because of the World Series going on at night. I don't. But I do think that, and I think you would suggest this, Michael, that the World Series going on at a time when parents and children can watch is a good idea. You could also, a baseball game allows you to to enter and exit the room and sort of live 
the you know your your afternoon or your early evening routine around that. You can come back to the TV for that at bat. You can come back after the break when they brought that pitcher in, rather than sitting in your bed with the lights off as you're waiting for a relief pitcher in the seventh inning to warm up. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get off that. Um, I just wanted to mention if anybody wants to know the exact definition of a David Aldridge moment, pick up the Washington Post from yesterday, Thursday, October 27th. Thursday, October 27th. Get the Washington Post. If you get it online, just go to that thing where it says print edition and it will show you the front page of the Metro section. So all I'm going to say, <laughs> this is a David Aldridge moment. We will be back with Jason Lock and Fora. We'll talk some football. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Norwegian Soft Kitten. This is their new single, The Thousandth Ship. They say we've recently reached the 100 mark for a number of stations around the world that have played us. And it all began of January, in January of 2022, when the Tony Kornheiser Show became the first outlet to play one of our songs. For that, we'll be forever thankful. Um, we're also thankful when we see Littles. Every time you give us a play, we see our streaming numbers go up significantly. The only thing left to say is Viva la Cheeserie. That's again, it's a cheese counter in a liquor store. Yes, it is. It's a cheese counter. From Glenn Burgitz and Alan Green, who are indeed Norwegian soft kitten. This is called the Thousandth Ship. Plays in Jason Lock and Four. Let's start with last night's game. I had high hopes for last night's game. Of course, I fell asleep before the end of the game. But when I was watching, Tom Brady seemed fine and Tampa Bay seemed fine on offense. I see they lost now. Where is Brady now in your mind? Where's Brady? Well, th- this was a poor performance. Um, you know, there was a lot going wrong there, a lot to sort of look at and dissect and, and be concerned about. But, you know, Tom Brady was, was still, uh, I think, individually a, a pretty effective player for them. Not last night, Tone. No. I don't know whether, it, you know, the short weeks, I mean, look, the guy's 45 yeah, years it's, old. Yeah, that's tough. Even being at home on the short week is not ideal. This was not a well-timed game for either operation when you looked at their offenses coming in, when you looked at what they sort of have been capable of um, and, and what you, you could kind of realistically expect from them. Not a whole lot there. But they had two drives early where they moved the ball effectively, uh, a lot of horizontal passing, um, screeds, things kind of attacking the boundary rather than really attacking downfield. Yeah, Brady took one step and threw it, you know, on a line yeah. right on his own line to a guy in the backfield, and they made eight, ten, nine yards time yeah. after time. A lot, yeah. lot of yak attacking sort of yeah. uh, the linebackers yep. of the Ravens in coverage. And then, the, you know, Baltimore made a few adjustments. Baltimore got a pass rush going a little bit more, and Brady was off, man. He, he missed Mike Evans in the, in the end zone a couple of times. He missed his tight ends in the end zone. He was sailing balls, floating balls. Nothing seemed in sync. Uh, a lot of th- balls that went way over people's heads and balls that were sort of scuds right into the ground. And I don't know. 
it, it was it was ugly. They couldn't run the ball much. They haven't run the ball all year. I thought what Baltimore did in the first half was what was frankly what what I thought Tampa was going to do. Thirty pass attempts in the first half. You know, we can't run it. We we're not going to try to run it. We're, we're going to try to throw ourselves to a two score lead and attack you that way. And it didn't materialize. That was ugly. And the defense got absolutely mauled in the second half when Baltimore started running the football. Tampa had no answers. So, gutsy, you know, hard-fought win for the Ravens. You have to give them a ton of credit. They're sitting there at halftime. They're down 10-3. And, oh, yeah, you're, you're de facto quasi-number one receiver. He's done. You're tight end who you run the entire passing game through. He's done. And you're down 10-3 to Tom Brady, and, and you've been blowing double-digit leads in the fourth quarter all year. Yeah. They Good won. luck with that. And yeah. you know what? They won, and, and, and they won by their standards pretty comfortably. Uh, that was a really, uh, again, I'll say it, gutsy, ballsy effort by the Ravens. Do you think it, is, it has been said that Tom Brady, one of the conditions for coming back was he didn't want to play for Bruce Arians anymore. And they got rid of Bruce Arians, and they brought in a defensive guy. Not an offensive guy, defensive guy, which tells Tom Brady he can pretty much call his own shots. Do you think that that plays into their poor performance this year? Well, I wrote about this in the Washington Post a week ago. Um, when you talk to people who've prepared for them, who've advanced, scouted them, who've watched them closely on film, scheme is part of the issue. Now, I don't know that it's because Brady has autonomy. I mean, I think you have to give some scrutiny to Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator right. as well. right. But it just hasn't been a smooth operation. Early downs, they they have sort of defaulted to old school football, run, run, run. You know, do I think that's necessarily what what Brady espouses? No. Um, But that's sort of who they've been, and that's sort of the the way that they've tried to attack these games. And it's not working. Um, When you've got major offensive line issues... It makes everybody look bad. It makes the quarterback look bad. It makes the coordinator look bad. It makes the head coach look bad. So I, I don't know how much Brady's taking over games at the line of scrimmage and in the huddle. It, it didn't seem like he was because when you watch them last night, they're snapping on you know twelve seconds left, nine seconds left, eight seconds left. Um, you're, they're standing around in the huddle, kind of you know waiting for the the call to come in and. So I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, nothing again is sort of coming easy for them. Nothing right. looks like a particularly smooth operation. I agree. Uh, there's not much to hang your hat on, and they do have two wide receivers who are really good, and they they ended up getting their yards. And and you know, if you just looked at the box score, you'd say, well, you know, Godwin and Evans did the job, and and they, and they did, but when they really needed them. You know, in the red zone, in the end zone, the connection wasn't there. They 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 weren't on third downs. They the receivers and the quarterback weren't on the same page. And and again, last night, a lot of the year, I would have said it's not Brady, it's not Brady, it's not Brady. Last night, I felt like it was Brady. I mean, okay. Brady was just missing guys. Brady was just off. Brady wasn't good. That happens. It brings us to Rodgers, because everybody talks about Brady yeah. and Rodgers. 
Rodgers is in Buffalo on Sunday. That's a difficult place to win. I would personally take 11 and a half points if I could get it. But what yeah. I want to ask about, the nature of his relationship now with Matt LaFleur, uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers never shuts up. No. He keeps he he points out everything that's wrong all the time. With everybody else, not yes. with himself. Not if, a whole lot of uh self-scrutiny, right? Yeah. It's it's always other things like the 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 world just happens to Aaron Rodgers. You know, he has no real like when it comes to well why is your your team not what it's supposed to be? It's other guys. Yeah, he'll give you 50,000 different reasons, none of them with even a modicum of introspection. I mean, Matt LaFleur didn't let him pass a couple of years ago in a playoff game. Didn't let him do it. Take the ball out of his hands. Yeah. I always thought he hated Matt LaFleur. I continue to. Right. He's he's put up with him. He's tolerated him. That's good. But not not anymore. I mean, if you you parse words even a little bit with, with, with his. Um, media tour the last two weeks. It's it's clear that he's uh, putting a lot of this on the coach, and he he. It's clear that he thinks he knows better than the coach, not just about scheme, right? Not just about philosophy, not just about play calling, but also a division of labor. Who should play and who should <laughs> exactly? Who should, who should be on the field? <laughs> who should be active? Who should be up for these games and who should be? cast off back to the practice squad or as a game day, day inactive. I really like Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great quarterback. If I played with him, I'd want to punch him in the head. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a it's this dynamic that they've created there by letting him sort of, you know, hold their offseason hostage. It feels like the last 3 years, maybe it's only been 2, I don't know. They all bleed together, but you know, him getting whatever he wants and Everybody kowtowing to him, and oh well, we don't know whether we're a rebuilding team yet, or whether we think we can win a Super Bowl, because we don't know if our quarterback likes us or doesn't like us. We don't know if our quarterback wants to play or doesn't want to play. We don't know if our quarterback wants to play but wants to play for somebody else, um, and just doesn't want to play for us. Like we don't think our quarterback really likes our coach. But he hasn't come at the coach in a way yet that would, you know, make us really worry about it. And even if he hates the coach, we can't fire the coach because these two, these two guys, even if they just tolerate each other, are good for 13 wins a year. But like that, that part of it is over. And they screwed up the defense pretty badly. And they probably kept the offensive line together for two years too long, let alone one year too long. And now we've got a guy who we gave, I don't know, what was it, $105 million fully guaranteed at signing. Like, we've got him, and he's supposed to be our best player. Only when the chips are down, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to extend plays. He doesn't want to do anything that, you know, might hurt his stat line. He just wants to run our offense through our running backs. Like, he just literally wants to hand the ball off or throw it to a running back. That's all he seems to want to do. But, like, he's not Jordan Love. He's Aaron Bleepin' Rodgers. He's the guy who we let hold us hostage. He's the guy who we let become bigger than the team. He's the guy who there are no checks and balances. He can say and do exactly. anything he wants exactly. at any given moment. And all he really wants to do right now is throw a three-yard screen pass or hand it off, which, I mean... 
That's not what we paid for. No, that's no, not I get the, it. You know, perennial MVP candidate who we deal with all the BS because he's so transcendent. Like, no, he doesn't seem he's not transcendent. He doesn't seem particularly interested in being. He's having a tantrum, a year-long tantrum. Yeah. Yeah, enough. Let me move on to something else. You had Matt Rule fired. You were correct on that. Yeah. You have Nathaniel Hackett fired. You're going to be correct on that. When, yeah. <laughs> How about Frank Reich? How about Frank Reich? Yeah. Um, look, look, what's going on? We've reached a stage where the owner is effectively, you know, picking the quarterback. So when you get there, um, and it hasn't worked with the last four or five quarterbacks who've been brought in. And, you know, this Ellinger kid, like, can he run around and extend plays and use his legs and scramble drill and, you know, do some things athletically, sure. Is he going to be good enough to lift what's been a really suspect football operation all year? No, I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, who's going to pay? Probably the owner. And Frank Reich is re- I'm probably the coach. Frank Reich is, is it's never the owner. Frank Reich is a, is a very well-liked man. Yes. He has a tremendous um, amount of sort of positivity, just everything about him people gravitate towards but this they're they're not, they're not who they've thought they were going to be for a while now um i think you know the the gm chris ballard is certainly under fire probably even under more fire because when you perpetually mismanage the quarterback position that's um it's four that's years going to get a lot of attention right the fans the owner the media everybody's going to look at that and yeah. say like if you can't evaluate that it doesn't matter what else you do because, you know, there is no more important position in all no, of professional team sports. Um, yeah. I think this is a really good spot for the commanders. I really like the commanders this weekend because when I look at sort of the infrastructure of, of a novice quarterback and things, the boxes you want to check, the Colts don't check a lot of those boxes. You know, the offensive line stinks. You know, Jonathan Taylor, he's got he's averaging 56 yards his last four games. You know, the Colts are 30th in yards per carry. You look at individual offensive line brilliance, um, are, there, are there bookend tackles who just shut people down? No. So, wait, we don't have an offensive line. We don't run the ball. Um, okay, is there a standout tight end who's just such a freak no. of nature that you can just throw no. jump balls to him? No, 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 they don't have that. No. Um, you know, individual brilliance at, at the wide receiver position. I like Michael Pittman. I don't love him. Um, he's not going to run past people. He's an interesting player, but he's not going to take a game over. Um, and they're playing a team that gets the second most pressure in the NFL. Only Dallas gets more more pressure per dropback than than Washington. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's not a whole lot I'm buying about no, the Colts, I agree. and that I owner's agree. only going to be so patient for so long. No, he's a wild card. All right, plug your radio show for us. Uh, you can listen to more of this yammering from <laughs> 2 to 6 every weekday, um, unless the Ravens are playing a primetime game. Then it's only 2 to 5, so you get off easy. On 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, uh, you can listen to us anywhere on the planet. On the uh, well, uh, Anywhere on the planet on www.1057thefan.com. And I think in North America on the Odyssey app, although I don't believe that works abroad, Odyssey is A-U-D-A-C-Y. And uh, on Fridays, chatting with Tone and the guys. Thank you, Jason, as always. You, you got it, brother. Have a great weekend. He's the best. He knows more than everybody. Yes, he is. 
We'll take a break. Uh, we always hope to have James Carver. We know we have to bleep him at some point. And we hope to have, <coughs> excuse me, Jeff Ma when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. (coughs) This is Michael Noah, who writes, It's been seven years here in Singapore, a hundred songs into my musical journey. Here's my latest song, which is out today, October 28th, on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, wherever music is found, a threat worth living for. It opens with a conversation I might imagine having with Bob Dylan. What do you say, Bob? What do you know, Bob? <laughs> I know it's the type of question over which one used to get banned from the Tony Kornheiser show, but it was the only way I could think to start the song. Anyway, I hope it tickles your earbuds. Thanks again for all you do um, to make me remember home. Tell Michael it's raining here in Singapore, and I hope he remembers to call you on his birthday. Uh, I should certainly hope so. Full disclosure, we can't find Carville. But the midterms are next yeah. week, you know, so he's probably busy because he actually has a job as a political consultant. <laughs> yes. So we've called Jeff Ma a little bit early. Jeff was two and three last week, 17 and 13 overall, running behind the monkey at the moment. But the monkey doesn't have his own podcast, Bet the Process. True. And Jeff and Rufus do. Is this the 20th anniversary of the book Bringing Down the House, the MIT Poker Club book? It is, actually, and Tony, it's actually the, the Blackjack Club, not the Poker Club. Okay. <laughs> so tell us, for people that don't know this, just in a minute or two, tell us what happened. Yeah, I mean, back in the day um, when I was at MIT and really after I was at MIT, um, there was a group of us, and, and honestly, this has been something that's gone on at MIT for many, many years, um, who learned to use math to beat the casinos, um, essentially just using the inherent rules of blackjack, which is the game that has a memory, meaning what you see impacts what you're going to see. So if you track the cards that you see, you know what cards are going to come. Um, and we learned to play, uh, you know, count cards, which is legal. Uh, you just can't, uh, you know, they, they don't they don't like it because they don't like to lose to, to people. But um we actually learned to play as a team, which makes you more efficient. Um, we had investors, and uh, over time, uh, we really did it to, as, a, as a job. Um, it was kind of a side job that I did for seven years. Um, and, uh, you know, Ben Mesrick, like, uh, I pitched Ben Mesrick, the author, about this. He was the sort of author that, you know, was uh, kind of had written books before, but was really thinking about not being a writer anymore. And I said, hey, why don't you write the story? Uh, he wasn't particularly interested in the story at first, but I took him to Vegas and he said, oh my God, this is really cool. Let's write a story about this. And we ended up writing Bringing Down the House. Um, it was a, ended up being a New York Times bestseller for over a year and then eventually got turned into a movie that um, was number one in the box office two weeks in a row. And you know, when we, when we pitched this to publishers and producers, Everyone said no one wants to read a book about a bunch of MIT nerds, but in the end, they were wrong. Um, the MIT nerds won, and, and it was uh, it became like a phenomenon. 
I've said this many times. When people say, what's the best school in America? There's no question. It's MIT. There are no legacies at MIT. <laughs> you only get in there if you are the top of the heap. And, and um, did you, at any given point, did you go as a group to a casino and sit at the same table and pound the table? Or were you, would that have been too obvious? Well, we, we did go as a group, um, but we actually acted like we didn't know each other because yeah. there were all sorts of different roles. Um, you know, and the, it's one of the things they kind of nail in the movie. There were sort of different roles that we all played. Um, but yeah, we also had signals and things like that. So in some respects, we did pound the table, but we weren't pounding the table with our MIT brass rats cheering for the beavers, which is nature's engineer, uh, uh, MIT's mascot. <laughs> beavers. Fantastic. Nature's engineer. I love that. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's pick some games. What do you got? Okay, we're going to take uh, Denver plus the two and a half against Jacksonville. This is a clear case of buying as low as you can. Um, nobody wants to bet on Denver right now. They, You know, you got Hackett, you got Russell Wilson, yeah. or Rippin. You, you just got to. And they're in England. And they're in England, yeah. But. Um, yeah, I, I, I like them getting the points here against the Jacksonville team. That um, you know, Denver's defense is still playing really well. Um, I think they uh, will win this game. Okay. What else? I'm going to take New England minus the two and a half. Um, this is a game that, you know, when it, it opened at minus one, when there was indecision about Zappi versus Jones, when the when they announced Jones was starting, it went to two and a half. As long as it stayed under three, which is what it is, I, I like New England. I like them to win this game outright. The Jets lost their best running back, Brees Hall. They lost, you know, they lost. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'd go with Denver because I think Denver is going down the hole. But I, New England against the Jets, I sort of like that. What else you got? I'm going to take Chicago plus the nine and a half Ooh. against Dallas. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of points. Chicago has a pretty good defense, and you know Justin Fields can do things. Um, he's certainly athletic and can run. Uh, their game plan against New England was was a really strong game plan. Um, they looked very good, and obviously um, Dallas. We've talked about being one of the elite teams in the NFC, but um, getting nine and a half here, I like Chicago. Yeah, I, see, I don't think Chicago's any good, um, and I don't think Justin Fields passes the ball very well. I think Dallas is pretty good. Okay, I, I might not do that. What else you got? I'm going to take Tennessee minus the two and a half against Houston. Um, Tennessee, you know, Vrabel, amazing coach, um, been able to get a lot out of a little. Um, Houston, obviously, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, yes. And struggling so far. And, and um, Tennessee, under a field goal here, like them to win the game. Okay. What else? And cover. And then finally, I'm going to take the Giants plus the three against Seattle. This, this is very similar to last week. Um, you look at this game and you go, how are the Giants 6-1 and one underdogs? And we've talked about it. They're just this team that continues to be so under, continues to be underrated because of how overrated people think they are. Yeah. And I still, I still like this getting the three points against the Seattle team. Um, you know, they're, they're defying everyone, right? They are Geno Smith and, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy what's happening. If you think about this, uh, you know, trade that they made to get rid of Russell Wilson and all the picks, and now they're 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 leading the NFC West. But um, I think they're a, a bit of an overrated team by record, also, and so uh, like the Giants plus the three. Can't stress this enough. 
when they traded Russell Wilson, the, to bring it, Geno Smith is a retread. He's leading the league in percentage completions. He's, he was out of the league for years. He's nothing. And th- th- doesn't, it makes you think that Pete Carroll knows what he's doing, doesn't it, Jeff? I mean, I think Carroll's clearly a coach that can get a lot out of players. But, you know, a lot of these quarterback things are situations, right? And right. They need to find the right situation. And in this case, you have two amazing wide receivers. You have an infrastructure that's been in, in place for a while. And, and, you know, again, like Smith was a guy that came in the league. He was a high draft pick. He certainly has talent. He just never found the right situation. Well, maybe that's it. So I notice you're staying away from Green Bay getting 11 and a half at Buffalo. Often you say this is an irresistible amount of points. You're staying away from that game. Any particular reason? Yeah, I mean, I just think Buffalo's, they're, they're the elite team. And they mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these teams, when you look at these points, um, you think about what they're gonna, how they're going to play when they're up a touchdown or two touchdowns. And Buffalo's shown... And when they're up points, they'll continue to put, you know, their foot on the gas. Uh, and certainly, you know, you would like getting all those points with Rodgers, but they just haven't been very good this year. And, um, you know, Rodgers and Brady, it's just crazy what's happening with them. Like, yes. It, it does seem like they've, you know, um, started to show some of their age. But, yeah, no, a little bit of it is, is, is mostly just being afraid of Buffalo being a team that, puts up points, has a great defense, and will continue to try to score when they are up, you know, 14 or up. They won't, they won't let Green Bay come in through the back door, probably. All right. Tell us about uh, Bet the Process so people can listen to it. Yeah, Bet the Process is uh, we, this week we have a guy by the name of Jason McIntyre on who is a Fox betting uh, guy. He actually mentioned that you and Wilbon were the motivation for him getting into sports media in the first place because he used to live in the D.C. area and get the paper and, and read, your, read your articles. But uh, wow. we have him on and we talk a lot about actually, it's a, it's a pretty challenging interview because we talk a little bit about the way that mainstream media talks about sports betting and, and largely what they get wrong. Um, so we actually challenge him pretty a lot about sort of like the things he does and says both on Twitter and on Fox. Okay, people can get that on Bet the Process. Thanks, Jeff. We will talk next week. Okay, bye, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony's mailbag Got your emails, faxes And your notes Here comes Tony's mailbag Gonna read some for all you folks I love that Ronnie Newmeyer and Tom Lopkin. Love that. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. All right. That'll about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say in ancient times, hundreds of years before the dawn of history, lived a strange race of people, the Druids. No one knows who they were or what they were doing, but their legacy remains hewn into the living rock of Stonehenge. That's, uh, that's just... That's a rockumentary. <laughs> it certainly is, yes. It's a rockumentary. <laughs> Just wonderful. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockenfora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks to today's sponsors, Shopify, Indochina. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. Get show through Apple. Please leave us a review. This is from Gillis Green. It's happening all the time to me now. It's another Kinlock thing. <clears throat> he said, first, I saw this dump truck driving along in Florida today. I thought you'd get a kick out of the quote on the back. And the quote on the back is <laughs> really is in script go get your shine box <laughs> from another great movie from another great movie yes. spider right you played that's the name of him spider uh no spider didn't say it was whatever the the gangster was that they end up killing billy bats i think it was yeah okay yeah. that's not michael imperioli who no, the shine box no he doesn't say get your shine box oh he, okay he tells joe pesci something rather pointedly okay yes and so second it looks like you were well. very popular with the Kin- kinlock membership i too am a member and i'd be happy to host you michael and whomever else you care to bring to round out the foursome, I spend my summers down Route 1 from you in Bethany Beach, and I play at Cripple Creek, which I affectionately call Columbia Country Club East because so many Columbia members play there. I can give you some references if you like so you can take comfort in the fact that I'm not a freak. I actually have a cottage reserved on July 12th, which I believe is right around your birthday. It'll be hot, but it'll be fun. That's just the, the reaching out, the Kinlock people. It's just so nice. Uh, George Mallet. Call this photographic evidence of a David Aldridge moment or at least connective tissue. I was loading the studio dishwasher following my TV show, Lifestyle Live. I'm sure Stephanopoulos and Strahan do the same thing after Good Morning America. When Brett Wisconsin walks in to warm up before performing on our afternoon news program, All Indiana, we exchange pleasantries and soon realize we're both contributors to the pod. Brett sending music to your podcast makes a lot more sense than me sending watercolors, but I digress. We decided to snap a picture and share it on all of your favorite social media platforms. I decided, though, to email you the snapshot on the off chance that you missed it when you were perusing Twitter, Instagram, and WhatsApp. And that's great. It's a lovely picture. Isn't that great? And, and Brett is. He, we play his songs all the time. Look at we George do. in his bow tie. Yeah. Very, very, very nice. Dapper. Very nice. Um, from Stephen in New Orleans, the official Zydeco drummer of the Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm writing to apologize to Tyler and Paige for missing the wedding. Fall is a thankfully busy time for musicians in New Orleans. Tyler, I'll be playing this Saturday. That's tomorrow, October 29th, at the Old Point Bar with the Tyron Benoit Band. So please bring the missus, and I'll buy you all around to toast the new chapter of life. Mazel tov. P.S. Tyler is correct. 
that I can clearly understand Mr. Carville, even through the bleeps. <laughs> uh, Justin Hibbett, Galena. Here we go, Galena, Ohio. As a Galena, Ohio resident, I feel it's my duty to pass on to former email Jose Krings the important information that it appears the construction crew recently opened up two-way traffic at the intersection of Africa Road and Worthington Road. The horrendous delays of getting from our sweet town of Galena to the bustling Polaris Parkway area hopefully are in our rearview mirror. Just thought I'd help a fellow little and resident out. Thank you for being a sounding board on construction updates in the central Ohio area. From Jennifer Schultz from Salisbury, Maryland, who says, ex-Ohioan, as a former Westervillian myself, I listen to your show with great interest. No doubt that the traffic in and around Westerville has gotten bad. Thank goodness the Tony Kornheiser show <laughs> is there to provide almost as good a traffic update as WTOP. <laughs> These days, as a resident on the Eastern Shore, I only have to occasionally deal with traffic on Route 50 from those racing each weekend to beach houses in Rehoboth. If anyone takes State Street in Westerville as a driving alternative, they should make sure they stop at the best bakery in the world, Schneider's Bakery, for the best donuts in the world, mm. Davy Crockett's. The best time to go is when the Otterbein students make their donut runs, generally at 2 a.m., Hot donuts after a night of drinking. Oh, memories. <laughs> From Jim Baska. So this is the new game we are playing? Can anyone in the Johnson County, Lenexa, Shawnee, Kansas City area tell me what the hell is going on with Provera Road and 75th Street? Miles upon miles of apparently nonstop work. I work from home, so much like Tony, I don't get out a lot. But I have to include the added traffic congestion. One to two to one to three lane traffic dance anytime I go anywhere. I'm thinking Marshall Drive might be a good alternative, but that 87th Street interchange is only for traffic and or driving geniuses. From Matt Galason in Winslow, Maine. Just so you are aware, the new traffic pattern in downtown Waterville, Maine will be starting on Saturday, November 5th. Oh, thanks. Front and Maine. Love it. Front and Main are both changing from one-way to two-way traffic. You'll no longer be able to park on Main Street. Instead, you'll have to park at the concourse or head of Falls. Worst of all, no more left-hand turn at the end of Main Street going over the Taconic Bridge into Winslow. If I was you, I'd avoid the downtown area altogether for a while. It's going to be bad. I just, you want to say, bing, after that. You want to just go to that movie. Yes. I sure as heck fire remember you. Mark in Galena, Ohio. Subject getting around the construction at Worthington Road and Africa Road. When coming from Polaris Fashion Place, make the left on Powell Road. This will avoid the backup due to the construction. Make a right at the first late, light Bale Canyon Road. Take this past Freedom Trail Elementary and then take the first exit at the roundabout at Lewis Center Road. Africa Road's only about a quarter mile ahead, so you can continue northbound. It's much quicker than waiting through the construction traffic and tr- stoplight. Also note, the new Sheets usually has the cheapest gas in that area. Extra discount if you download the app and scan the rewards code. I, I hope when people hear me do these, they're laughing. I hope they cannot stop <laughs> laughing. Right. Brendan Borzelli. We love Brendan. Lebanon, New Jersey. Maybe you can drive up to the Capital One security gate, get out of the car, kick over something, and just toss out some 20s on the ground. You might luck out if the security guard's name is Carlo and you end up scaring him a little bit in the process. Gary Fisher, a friend of George Solomon, he writes. How, how inside is this? Capital One is the worst bank ever. They only care about (laughs) selling credit cards. My wife was victim of pickpocket on the subway in New York City during the Hurricane Sandy. Not to bore you with the details, her information was sold to professionals. Three months later, a woman in disguise withdrew $9,990 out of three branches of Capital One banks in Long Island with my wife's information. We got nowhere with Capital One, who claimed that we withdrew the money. We've never been to Long Island. There was no one to speak to at Capital One. No one. While we were closing our account, we just avoided another hit. It would not have been a problem. We had no money left. 
After three months, my wife went to the branch office in Maryland and told them she was reporting them to the state's attorney general. We got our money that afternoon. There you go. Thanks for being the highlight of my day. Don't ever retire. You know, you know, or some other podcast will be the highlight of your day. How about that? Capital One. <laughs> from Shad. Better pay the VIG. You don't want a visit from some guy named Bruno. Um, one more. From Matt in Litchfield County. Litchfield County. Is that in, in Connecticut? I'm not familiar I with Litchfield County. I think it's Connecticut. I'm not certain. Michael, have you heard hmm. of Litchfield? The beginning of Wednesday's show was spectacular. Tony, I'm not going to tell the Capital One story. Proceeds to tell the Capital One story. <laughs> Tony, I'm not going to talk about the start of the World Series again. Proceeds to complain about the start of the World Series. Just like jazz music, it's the topics you don't talk about that make you great. I was in tears laughing. Then Paul Simon's Graceland album came up, and I remembered a game that my friends and I played during COVID that may be fun for the littles as we crash weddings and email uh, in about our shoes and pockets. You see, Graceland made my list of the top 10 music albums. My friend and I, my friends and I set some rules and came up with our list of top 10 records, and Graceland had to be on mine. Here are the rules. One album per band or artist. You're allowed one movie soundtrack, like the big chill or Forrest Gump. You're allowed one musical soundtrack, like Hamilton or Les Miserables. I call this the Michael Kornheiser rule. Greatest hits or concert recordings are not permitted. It was a fun game for us. Hope everyone enjoys. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. Bing! Bing.
Thank you.